Man, that's good. I love our worship time, don't you? Don't you enjoy that? You just kind of disconnect a little bit. Um, quick question, uh, how many people would say you're a, you're a visual learner? You learn things better by, by visualizing rather than just reading. That's, that's me, I'm a visual guy. Um, if you give me an instruction book and tell me fix this problem, I'm not gonna be able to read the, the book and fix the problem. But if you show me how to do it, I won't forget. My mom made me take piano lessons when I was a kid. And um, for five years, I faked being able to read music. I can barely look at music, but what I would do is I would look at my piano teacher's fingers, I would watch her play, and then I would memorize what she was doing. And when I couldn't get the song, I'd be like, if you could play it one more time. And I would look at her fingers, and that's how I faked my way five years through piano lessons. I just, I remember, I can still play my recital piece from when I was in the fourth grade because I memorized how to play the piano just watching her fingers. Um, our, our door lock broke like the other week, and I'm horrible at fixing things but I got the instructions out and the instructions are always this long and they always write them in six languages, um, which I don't understand the English version, but I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't get this. But I went to the YouTubes and, and the YouTubes showed me how to fix it. So I pulled up the YouTube video and I had it fixed in two minutes and, it's, and, it, and it broke again. But that's beside the point. I fixed it in the moment, right? Because I'm, I'm visual. Now, the reason I say that is because if I see something, I can retain it better, I can learn it better, which is why we're gonna do something a little bit different tonight as I teach through basically one verse. And I had this idea back in January, during my study time, I was kind of drawing out some stuff about, um, I love to draw, but all, I'm not an artist, so all my drawings suck, but this kind of made sense as I was making some circles and I was drawing some stuff out, and, I, and, I, and it hit me. And this was back in January when I thought we were gonna do the relationship series in February, but then we wound up doing Exodus, but I kind of held on to this and I came back to it and I said, God, is this, is this what you want me to teach? And, and he was like, yep, so that's where we're going tonight. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Let me, let me just kind of set it up by saying Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we talked about this last week. We said, um, he ended it with Matthew 7 when he said, a rock in the sand and all that good stuff. He's teaching through the Sermon on the Mount and we get to Matthew 6 and he is dropping some zingers. He's like, this is how you should pray and um, this is how you should handle your money and you shouldn't worry about clothes and you shouldn't worry about your food. He's talking about all this stuff and people are kind of leaned in and, and they're listening to him and, and he said this statement. He said, why do you worry about these things? Your heavenly father knows what you need before you even ask him. And that was a brand new thought to them. They had never thought of God or th as, as a father. He was always some distant deity. And Jesus is like, no, you can call him father. And he knows what you want. He knows what you need before you ask. And then he, I think he kind of paused for a minute. I can't prove it, but I think he did. And then he said this. He said, but seek. Now, this means we're gonna have to put some effort into it. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. Seek first, not if you're able or if you have time or if it's convenient, but seek first the kingdom of God. So that's God's will. Like he said earlier in Matthew 6, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come is like your will be done in my life. So this is God's will. So seek first God's will and his righteousness or his way of living. So seek first God's will and seek God's way of living 
And Jesus, what happens if I do that? And he said, I'm glad you asked. And all these things will be added to you. And he had just talked about prayer and money and food. And he, Jesus said, if you'll put me first, I will take care of everything else in your life. And you might not have everything you want, but you will have everything that you need. Now, in my Bible, or in, I actually go through Bibles and kind of read them and I get a new one and it's like I'm reading it all over again. I've got this verse in several Bibles circled with the word promise written to it. This is a promise from God. This is a promise from Jesus. He said, if you'll put me first, I'll take care of everything else. And, and one of the main issues in our lives, think about it, if you've ever gone sideways or you're currently going sideways, it's because Jesus isn't first. Let me illustrate it for you. Y'all ready for it? Okay, two people are. That, that, that's fine. No, I, I, y'all, I'm, I'm gonna get y'all in a little bit. In fact, let me just say this. The more churched you are tonight, the more uncomfortable you're gonna be as the message progresses. <laughs> I, the, we're gonna go in circles. When you put Jesus first in your life, this is what this is gonna look like and, and this is gonna make sense in a little while, but if Jesus is gonna be first, then you've got to have an individual plan in order to put him first. For example, if I was in the lobby tonight and you came up to me and said, Pastor Pete, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds next month. And I said, great, what's your plan? And you went, I don't know. Just gonna get up, and live life and Pray it falls off, okay? Well, if that works, let me know, but I've never been able to pray it away. But if you said, no, my plan is I'm gonna cut out soft drinks and I'm gonna cut out sugar, I'm gonna cut out bread and I'm gonna go to the gym four times a week and I'm, doing, and I'm, I'm gonna run a couple days a week, I would be like, okay, well, you're more likely to hit the goal because you actually have something to hit. You've got a plan. So my question is, if you want to put Jesus first, what's your plan to put him first? Like, for example, just some, some basics, church attendance. Now, I'm preaching to the choir because you're here tonight, but church attendance is essential if we want God to be first in our life. I've had people tell me, I tried church and it didn't work. That's like getting a gym membership and you never went and it didn't work. You, you gotta work it for it to work. Amen. Oh, oh, it's gonna be that tonight. Okay, good, good, good. We got some zingers coming. Like, what sets your heart on fire for Jesus? Is it scripture? Is it prayer? Is it worship music? It, whatever it is, figure out what it is and make a plan to do it every single day. If you don't plan it, it won't happen. Nobody has ever accidentally drifted closer to Jesus. We grow closer to Jesus through steps. That, that's why they're called spiritual disciplines. So what's your plan? What's your plan to put Jesus first in your life. You can sign up for that text devotional. That's a way to put him first, all right? That's a, that's a, way, to, that's a way to get him first. It, and I, I don't say that, listen, I ain't making any money off that. It's, it's costing the church money. It's just people reading their Bibles. I'm excited about, I had three people in the hallway going, that devotional was awesome. I was like, thank you. Which one? Um, because I'm in my head, I'm always moving to the next one. Anyway, if you're gonna have, now, now, some of you are like, well, I thought this was about relationships. Well, it is. Because see, if that's not right, there's not one single relationship in your life that's gonna be right. 
That's the one thing that makes everything better. Pastor B, I tried that and it didn't work. And this is what typically happens. And I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm just saying this. You'll meet somebody that they blow up their life for 20 years and they try this for two weeks. It didn't work. Well, give it, give it a minute. Because it took 20 years to dig that hole. But with Jesus' help, it won't take 20 years to get out. But we got some baggage to work through, right? Anybody got some baggage to work through? Anybody sitting next to somebody has got some baggage to work through? All right, there we go. That was good. The next relationship is the spouse. And it's, if you're married, I'm gonna go ahead and admit it. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. I'm gonna go ahead and confess. It is really hard to put the spouse second. Unless we take the cross out and we put ourselves right there. That's where relationships go bad. Me and then my spouse. That's, that's where we get selfish. But it's difficult. And let me tell you something about your marriage. The devil's coming after it. The last thing he wants anybody in this room to be is happily married. Amen. He will make you, listen, so many people identified with this this morning, so I gotta tell it again. He will make you have imaginary arguments with your spouse over stupid stuff. For example, in our garage, Shannon and I have a little weight set and we got a little weight bench and she's got her little yoga stuff. She does the, the yoga and all that other stuff. I don't, I, I'm just trying to breathe normally. And she's, anyway, so, so when she, we got kind of like an unspoken rule. When you get done, just put it back where you, you found it, right? And so I went out there the other morning and my weight gloves that I use to lift weights with, they're normally on the bench. And I went out there, they weren't on the bench. And I said, oh, I said, she probably just moved them and forgot to move them back. And so I went to the little pile of stuff where she normally moves stuff and they weren't there. And I went, well, that's not a problem. I'll just go over to this other pile. And they, 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 weren't, they weren't there. And this is what happened in my head. I'm not making this up. Within 30 seconds, I went, she has hidden my weight gloves. She doesn't want me to work out. She wants me to die. She took out an insurance policy on me. None of that was true. But in 30 seconds, I had convinced myself that she hated me because I couldn't find my weight gloves. I'm sure there's not a couple in the room that has had something so ridiculous happen to them. And then I found the weight gloves and they were where I left them the day before. Side the point. We gotta fight to keep our spouse. This, once again, there, there's gotta be a plan. So a, a great question to ask your spouse is, what do I do that helps you feel first or important in our marriage? That is a, and, and then shut up and listen. I do that. You're not listening. This, this is a fight and, and you gotta figure out how to have compromise. You don't always get your way. Shannon and I were talking the other day. We were talking the other day and the, the subject of a motorcycle came up and I said, I said, I think it'd be awesome. And she said, it's not gonna happen. And so we compromised and it's not happening. But I'm, I'm just saying, you, you learn stuff like that. Next in this circle is, is your kids. And, and when you put Jesus first, and your spouse second, they learn how to have a healthy relationship with Jesus. And one of the best things you can give your, your kids is a healthy relationship with your spouse. 
and they see this. When kids see this, they're gonna, like you put them in the environment. Now, it doesn't guarantee they're gonna turn out great. Some kids go crazy. I've seen great kids come out of crazy homes and I've seen crazy kids come out of great homes. But I'm just saying, parents, we set our children up for spiritual success when we put Jesus first and, and our spouse second and then our children and then comes what I call our friends. Now, let me tell you something. Some of the best friendships that you will ever have in your life are people that have these priorities. You make friends and hang out with people that have Jesus at the center, they'll make you better, period. Period, thank you so much. I, woo, don't normally get claps on Sunday night, that was good. And then last but not least, you got your social, um, so, so these are your hobbies, this is social media, these are other things. Now I know somebody's asking, what about jobs, what about work? We're gonna save that for the man series that we're doing in June. We're gonna do a man series, we're probably gonna call it the man series, um, but, and then we'll do a series for the women in the fall, but we're doing something for the men. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna have like a bench press competition. I just made that up. I don't know if we're gonna do that or not. Um, I would not win, by the way. So this is putting Jesus first. Now, when we seek Jesus first, and then we tell Jesus, Jesus, let me set my life up. And in fact, Jesus, you prioritize my life. According to a 30,000 foot view of scripture, this is what he's gonna lead us to every single time. But, but sometimes, sometimes we get it backwards. Sometimes instead of this, it can look like this, where the spouse is first. Now this typically happens when you date, you know when you, when you first start dating and you kind of fake it till you make it, you gotta fake your way through the first, like you're not real. You're not real in those first few dates. You gotta date at least, I'm in love. How many times y'all been out? Twice. No, you're not in love. You, you don't know, uh-uh, you, you are not in love. But when you put your spouse first, it can, it can mess up everything else in the circle. And, and some, now, I'm gonna be honest, some people would love that, but it's a problem. Let me tell you why it's a problem. I'll run through it real quick. Number one, you will be disappointed. Your spouse will disappoint you. Uh, Shannon and I first started dating, we were getting past that phase where, I mean, we were, we were, we were really getting to know each other and I, I thought maybe this has got some traction, maybe it's gonna go somewhere. We were riding down the road, we'd just been to dinner. And, um, and I don't know if you've ever eaten and automatically, your stomach was like, hey, we, we, ain't gonna do, we can't do that again. And I'm about to make you pay. And, and I was, I, it, was, it was hurting. It was like, it got uncomfortable. And I was like, man, I got to, I got to get this out. So I had a plan. I was gonna, it, was, it was still summer evening. I was gonna roll the window down going, isn't it nice outside? Don't you just love the breeze? But and, and if you're, you're, you're either gonna get this or you're not. Once you turn 50, you don't control how it comes out. In your 20s and 30s, you can ease it out. But once, okay, a couple things. Once you turn 50, number one, never trust a fart. Never trust a fart. It, you, you got, okay, it's like, oh my. Anyway, so different message, different time. But I, this is a true story. I was just going, sneak it out. And when it came out, it did not sneak. It came out with walkout music. It was like the rest were like, like boom. 
And she laughed. It was funny. It was funny. It was real funny. It was funny until she smelled it. I still remember the look on her face. She was like, <laughs> oh. And she passed out. And we, I mean, we, we got to take, but now that's funny. But at the end of the day, you, you're, you, you will be disappointed. This person right here cannot live up to unspoken, unrealistic expectations. They will disappoint you. Absolutely disappoint you. Number two, second thing is um, you set your spouse up for failure because your spouse doesn't know your fears, your insecurities, your deepest desires. They don't know those. I'm not saying they can't hear those, but they don't know those. And at the end of the day, your spouse cannot handle the weight of your worship. Only Jesus can. See, Jesus, Jesus will not set you up for failure. Putting Jesus first doesn't set you up for failure. Well, I, I put Jesus first and he didn't give me what I wanted. Well, the, it, give it a few years, you'll realize that was a blessing. Amen. And the third problem with this is substitution. Pastor B, what do you mean substitution? Well, the easy fix is to switch places here. Just put Jesus in the center and the spouse and, 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 and this goes good. But the problem is when we think that this is the problem and this is the only problem, we'll substitute it with an addiction, with a habit, or with another person. And that's where it goes south real bad. I'm just saying, this right here, this is a recipe for disaster. And so is this right here. Putting kids, <laughs> listen, kids are a gift from the Lord. They are, they're great. Sometimes, there's some kids, I know some of y'all have been like, this is a gift, but I'm, what's the return policy on this one? Because, but kids are a gift. They're a blessing from the Lord and we should celebrate kids and we should celebrate children and they're great and they're awesome, but they make horrible idols. Pastor P, why would you say that about children? Well, there's a couple, let's, let's just go over a couple things. Number one, when you put kids first, romance goes out the window. Mm. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the things. Oh, y'all singing louder than that. Y'all did see first, the kingdom. Dear God, okay. Um, Somebody asked me one time, they said, Pastor Pete, how important is, is sex in a marriage? And my response was, how important is water to a fish? Don't think about it. Somebody, well, have you ever seen a fish out of water? And I'm just saying it's important. In fact, it's so important, it's so important that God dedicated an entire book of the Bible to it, Song of Solomon. Now, if you're from a church background, you've been lied to. You've been told that the Song of Solomon is a metaphor between Christ and the church. No, nope. I'm about to prove it to you. I'm telling you, the more church you are, the harder time you're gonna have. All I'm gonna do is read some scripture 
make a couple comments. I hope you're all ready. This is a husband and a wife talking to one another in the context of a romantic relationship. They're communicating with each other, not about each other. Oh, I almost left this out. When you got this, this, and this, when you got all these three things in a row, you know what the most churches call this? Women's ministry. Because you get together and talk about how wonderful your kids are, how horrible your spouse is, and you do it in the name of Jesus. Oh. That's for the online people. That's for nobody in this room, okay? So this is, this is a man and a woman talking in the Song of Solomon, and, uh, and she has more to say than the man, which that's not a surprise, right? Men and women are different. Can you agree that men and women are different? Do, do it, all the people talk about men and women are, no, no, no. Hey, hey, men, men, you walk into a man's bathroom, he's got seven items. You walk into a woman's bathroom, she got 7,000 items. Am I right? <laughs> women, women process out loud, but they don't want you to fix the problem. They just want you to listen to it. Men, we want to fix the problem. Women use more words than men. Women can speak, or men speak about an average of 5,000 words a day. Women speak about 15,000 with gust up to 30,000. That's, <laughs> you can ask Shannon on the way home on Sunday nights. I just, I stare and she's like, baby, what's wrong? I'm like, I used all my words. I have no words. I've got no words. And, and, she, and she, so I just let her talk and we, 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 that's, how, that's how we roll because I'm exhausted because I've used all my words. So they're talking back and forth in the Song of Solomon. This is what she says. Kiss me and kiss me again for your love is sweeter than wine. And it, hold on a minute. She says, how pleasing is your fragrance? Pause. Guys, taking a bath is a big deal. <laughs> like when you come in from yard work and you're all sweaty, you're like, hey, baby. She's not turned on at all. Take a shower, use soap, put on some cologne and some deodorant. It could go better for you. I'm just throwing that out there. Some of y'all didn't write that down, but you should have. Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oil. No wonder all the young women love you. Take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. Let me tell you why I like this passage. It's the woman instigates. And some of y'all are like, yeah, my wife instigates. I'm, that's not, I'm not talking about that, sir. I'm, ta I'm talking about she, inst she started, she instigated sex. Now, when you talk about sex, I need to say this. When you talk about sex, the reason it gets so tense is for a few reasons. Number one, there's a lot of people in this room and online, we've got sexual baggage. Either what was done to us or what we did, and we carry guilt and shame from that. And, and I, I wanna acknowledge that. And if you're in Christ, you're forgiven. You're a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new is gone. It, I mean, we are completely forgiven. I, listen, as somebody that's messed up in every way and somebody that actually was molested as a kid and thought that sex was dirty, I get it. I understand. Sex, but the other thing we gotta understand about sex is the world does not get to define what sex is. 
God gets to define it. God, listen, I'm not trying to provide social commentary right now, but I don't need a news network telling me what is right, what is wrong, when God's word declared it thousands of years ago, the way it should be, the way it ought to be, and when it's done that way, it does work. I don't, I don't need, listen, men and women are different when it comes to this stuff. We're different. And in this, pet, in this passage right here, let me say this too. Let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. Sex was God's idea. That's why I don't really care what the latest culture war is. Isn't it funny? Somebody else goes out and tries to redefine Christianity. We step into the conversation and they blame us for getting involved in the culture war. No, you started the war. I've been on this team. This team's been going for thousands of years. Sex was God's idea. He created Adam then he created Eve, and Adam was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And God was like, and he was like, oh my, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. And in this passage, she initiates. Now, women, sometimes they get timid with this, and they're like, oh my gosh, Pastor P, he'll think I'm dirty. Well, that's his prayer. God, make her dirty. <laughs> Amen. Let's keep reading. She said, strengthen me with raisin cakes, refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Right here, she's communicating to him what she likes. They, they are talking about it with one another. They're not talking to their friends about one another. This is, this is huge when it comes to intimacy and marriage. Let's keep reading. <laughs> My lover is mine, and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Now, here's what's funny about this. Some of you are like, he browses, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. I'm not gonna tell you. We're just gonna keep reading some scriptures, but she talks about this a lot, and you're going to see in the scriptures what she's talking about, because the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. Whew. Let's keep reading. This is him talking. You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes, with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine. Your perfume more fragrant than spices. This is him communicating to her, I love you. You are the only one I love. You're the only one I want. You are all I desire. And men, one of the things that women need on a consistent basis is encouragement and security. They need to know where you're the only one. I'm not looking at anyone else. I don't wanna look at anyone else. I don't wanna be with I, you, you, Boo are it. She responds. This is good. My, oh Lord. Feel like I'm, am I got a light? I thought about it too late, but after reading this particular text, 
I thought, you know, sometimes we do giveaways. Man, we should have given away second chance cigarettes after this because this is, this is steamy. This is a cigar. Some of y'all are like, don't let that go to waste. Oh, it won't. <laughs> I had a lighter. I'd light it up on stage. You can't smoke inside. Yeah, this is a second chance. I'm the pastor. My, my lover has gone down to his garden, to his spice. Now see, for those of y'all that think this is Jesus and the church, no. 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 To browse in the garden and to gather the what? The lilies. She's like, she likes that, doesn't she? She likes talking about the lilies. Can you see that so far? Yeah, just say yes if you're with me. Okay, good, good, good. And, uh, oh yeah, we got another verse. I am my lover's and my lover is mine. He, mm. Pastor P, what are the lilies? What is going on there? Well, hold on. Because he's about to, he just goes on this, he just starts talking. He gets caught up in the moment. He gets excited. I'm going to prove it to you. Watch this. Chapter 7, he said, how beautiful are your sandaled feet. So he's starting at her feet. Notice she got a pedicure. That's a big deal. Hey, baby, is that a French pedicure? That looks good. So y'all know what that is, man? You have to Google that. How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a skilled craftsman. You got game, right? You got game. <laughs> Your navel is perfectly formed like a goblet filled with mixed wine. Between your thighs lies a mound of wheat bordered with... Never seen the Bible like this before. I'm just reading, all I'm doing is reading the Bible. Don't get mad at me. Cole will be in the lobby after the mess service. Y'all can talk to Cole. So, there's what the lilies are. Let's keep reading this. It, it gets good. He said, Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. Now, why would he say that? Well, it's very simple. When you go like to a zoo or whatever and you see two little fawns like walking around, what do you want to do? You want to you touch them, you want to pet them, right? That's what he's saying. He is not saying that. Hang in there. I'll prove, let's just keep reading. I'll prove it to you. Your neck is as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the sparkling pools in Heshbon by the gate. Bathroom. Your nose is as fine as the tower. I might have left that out. I don't know. Maybe she's insecure about her nose and he's saying, I like your nose, right? But obviously she got a big nose because it's like the Tower of Lebanon overlooking Damascus. Your head is as majestic as Mount Carmel and the sheen of your hair radiates royalty. The king is held captive by his tresses and then he goes on a, well, just watch. Oh, how beautiful you are. Notice that's the first time we see an exclamation point in this text. How pleasing, my love. How full of delights. You are slender like a palm tree and your breast like its clusters of fruit. 
I said, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. Mmm. Reading the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. I'm offended. You're offended at God's word. <laughs> May your breasts be like grape clusters and the fragrance of your breath like apples. May your kisses be as exciting as the best wine. Yes, wine that goes down smoothly for my lover flowing gently over lips and teeth. And then she says, I am my lover's and he claims me as his own. She feels secure. And what does she do when she feels secure? This is with, with a husband and a wife, okay? Watch this. She says, come my love, let's go out, let's go out, let's go outside to the fields. What are we gonna do? We're gonna spend the night among the wild flowers. Wild thing. Let, let us get up early and go to the vineyards to see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates have bloomed. There I will give you my love. She said, let's go outside. What are we gonna do? Oh, we, I'm gonna rock your world. <laughs> this, is where, this is where the question comes in. Pastor Pete, what is permissible in marriage? Well, it... As long as it's not sinful, I had a guy come to me one time. This was years ago. Nobody knows him, so I can use this. I forgot to use this illustration this morning. Pastor Pete, can me and my wife, can me and my wife watch porn together? No. Even if she says it's okay, okay, okay. But, but God said no. God's over your wife. Unless you got the circles backwards. And it's a whole other problem. As long as, as, long as it doesn't, tear the other person down, make them feel lesser than, and it's agreed upon by the couple, the Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled. What does that mean? It means go for it. They're outside. It was her idea. Praise the Lord. There the mandrakes give off their fragrance and the finest fruits are at the door, new delights as well as old, which I have saved for you, my Love her. In other words, she said, I'm, I'm yours. But when we put kids first, all that goes out the window. It just, and, and, and it's tough. It's a challenge. That's why you got to fight to keep those priorities straight. The second thing that happens is your desire becomes to control your child's life. Because when, when this happens, you want your kids to hear your voice more than you want them to hear God's voice. Because at the end of the day, all of your self-worth is wrapped up in the college sticker that you get to put on the back of your car at, at, where they go to school. They couldn't afford, but you made them borrow the money for it. I'm not saying that's anybody in the room. I'm just saying I know people. And the other thing, by the way, is, is and this is not a political statement. This is just a st true statement. If you borrow money, you should pay it back. Period. My daddy told me when I was growing up, if you borrow money, you pay it back. If you borrow money, you don't pay it back. That's called stealing. It's not a political statement. It's a fact. It's truth. It's the word of God. Didn't even get an amen on that one. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. Hey, hey, you want somebody to pay off your debt? You want somebody? Listen, let me just say this. While I'm, okay, let me just camp here for a minute. Because I get this when I make statements like that. Religion and politics shouldn't mix. Well, you, do you really believe that? Because we've tried that before. Let me give you a couple of examples. Russia under Joseph Stalin, no God. 
Germany under Adolf Hitler, no God. Modern day China, no God. How's that working for them? How did it work? Millions of people dead because there is no moral conscience in a nation that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So when I make statements from this platform, they're not political, they're biblical, they're based on truth, and this guy's never gonna back down no matter what the culture wars are saying. I'm gonna throw that out there. Save somebody an email. Number three is you set yourself up for long-term frustration because these guys are gonna frustrate you. The goal is to get them out of the house, out of the house, train up a child in the way they should go. You gotta put this here, this here, and this here. And, and things will begin to get in order. Now, the last thing, the last thing, and I had to share this because it kind of clicked and I couldn't get past it. I was gonna cut it out, but the Lord wouldn't let me. The, the, the worst situation to have is this right here where Jesus is, you're aware of Jesus, but he's not in your life. And you say, well, Perry, what about the things in the circles? Well, it doesn't really matter what you have in these circles. If Jesus is here, this is gonna collapse and fall apart. This will always collapse. Our lives will always collapse if we don't have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, I know three things about your life tonight. You have no joy. Don't tell me I'm not happy. That's not what I said. I said joy. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is my life is falling apart, but I still got Jesus. And hey, don't tell me that don't work. Because when I lost everything, by the grace of God, I didn't lose my joy because I still, no, I didn't still have Jesus. Jesus still had me. You don't have, you have no peace. You can have temporary peace, smoke it, snort it, drink it, but it don't last. And then you have no hope. That's why you're freaked out all the time. Because you look at the condition of the world and you're like, there is no hope for this world. And I'm looking and going, there, there's more hope for this world than the world's ever known. That's why, that's why when we pray to receive Christ, if we put Christ in our life, that when we make that decision right there and we ask Jesus to come into our life, we, we go from no joy to where we can know joy. Like we can, you can know joy on a level unlike any. See, here's the good thing about becoming a Christian. It's, it's not just going to heaven one day. It's heaven coming alive inside of us today. We can, we can know joy, we can know peace. And, and the Bible describes a peace that passes all understanding. When all hell breaks loose, you can still have peace in your life and you can know hope. You can look at the world with everything that's going on right now and say, the world has never been in, in more need of a savior. I, I am more hopeful for the long-term, because the church does its work, we spread the gospel, people put Jesus at the center of their lives, this community gets better, this state, this nation, and the world, that's what happens when we put Jesus at the center. And it, because at the end of the day, Jesus said, Jesus said, why are you worried about all these things? He said, seek God's will. Seek God's ways. And I'll take care of everything else. So with that question, 
I have a question for you. Or with that statement, I got a question for you. Is he first in your life? That's not a condemnation question. If he's not, I'm not saying that to make anybody feel guilty or anybody feel bad. In fact, it's, it's by the grace of God that you're hearing that question because if he's not first, you could, you could put him first tonight. And if he's not in your life, well, that could change as well. So Father, I pray over these next few moments together that you'll just reveal yourself to us, your will and your ways. And with heads bowed and eyes closed is if he's not first in your life, then maybe just tell him if this is the decision you want to make, I'm not going to pressure you, but maybe just tell him, Jesus, I want to put you first. I want to seek your kingdom, your will. Your, I want you to be first in my life. What about the other circles? Well, listen, that you're, if, if you're putting Jesus first and your spouse is putting Jesus first, then things can work out. you're always trying to fix your spouse just listen put Jesus first pray that Jesus, that they will put Jesus first and he'll work it out in his time is he first and if not what's your plan to make him first God your 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 will and your ways in our life your will and your ways in our life. Your, your ways are higher. Your thoughts are greater. You're better. You're stronger. For everybody in this room tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed, that you just know that's the decision you need to make to put Jesus first, to reprioritize some things in your life. Just make that commitment to him right now. And then for the people in this room, that you, you're the person on the board that had Jesus had the cross outside the circles and you need Jesus to come in your life. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. You've never asked him. You've never became a Christian. You've never given your life to Jesus. And tonight, I'm gonna invite you to take that step right where you stand right now. I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer with me. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer. I'm gonna ask you to say it out loud. But as you say it out loud, you won't say it alone because our whole Second Chance family is gonna pray this prayer with you so you can know that you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus and you're gonna step into that relationship being celebrated by others. So if you wanna to pray to receive Christ, you pray this, Second Chance Fam, let's pray it with me. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. I receive you into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ into your life, I wanna pray with you and I wanna pray for you. If that's you, I want you to put your hand straight up in the air right now and just leave it up, because I wanna see it. Put it up, leave it up high, put it up, leave it up high, put it up, leave it up high. Thank you so much, amen. Anybody else, anybody else? Father, I wanna thank you for these hands in the air. I wanna thank you that all day long, Jesus, you've met us here. All day long that you've saved people. All day long you've changed lives, Jesus. All day long, God, even for those that are saved, God, you have done a work 
a stirring and I pray that that stirring that you did in our hearts will continue when we walk out these doors and we get in our cars and we go home God continue to stir us to put you first seek your will and your ways for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and everybody that agreed with that prayer said amen and amen are you glad you came to church tonight and me too i hope y'all have a great week and we'll see y'all back next sunday